0: What up? This is Yinka Diz. Peace. This is Outlaw. And you're listening to the 80s Babies Podcast.
1: And today I am very, very, very excited because we are going to be talking a lot about some TV shows and some movies. And as much as I love hip hop music, I love cinema. I love Mm -hmm. drama. I love watching TV shows and series and talking about them. So this is going to be a very exciting episode for me. And there was a lot in the lineup this spring in terms of TV shows that were related to hip hop music and some fashion or another and Mm. so the main ones that we're going to be talking about are the uh, i'm not sure if it would be considered a true crime but the drama that was on was a usa Uh the unsolved with the tupac and biggie murders
0: it is kind of like a true crime
1: kind of yeah yeah, yeah. kind of there's also the roxanne roxanne movie that was on netflix yeah um we got the atlanta series with childish gambino donald glover and then we also just had Luke Cage release on Netflix so right. and uh, any other tv shows that we watch we might talk about those as well so if you guys haven't seen any of these series and you're looking forward to watching them obviously we're going to be talking about spoilers so we're There's not going to definitely
0: spoiler alert yeah, for at least for those four
1: everything yeah. basically everything so if you haven't seen it just I don't yeah. know. For You're those who don't know, your your
0: boys, boy's sidelined with a, a torn Achilles. <laughs> uh, I messed around. I got a triple double. But unfortunately, uh, I ended with a Boogie Cousins. Oh, so uh, I had a, the
1: opportunity to watch a whole lot of TV and a All whole right.
0: lot of movies. So looking forward to diving into this.
1: Okay. All right. So yeah. the first one we're going to talk about is the unsolved Tupac and Biggie. Yeah. When did you finish this up? Man, just last week. Just last week. Okay. Yeah. So it's fresh in your mind. What do, you,
0: what do you think? Just quick thoughts. Quick thoughts. I think the way I approached it versus the way I ended it defined kind of how I looked at it. Okay. Um, when I first started watching it, I was like, man, the Biggie and Tupac suck. Like the, the, <laughs> the people who are playing Biggie and Tupac were not Biggie and Tupac. Of course um, not. And that bothered me. Of course not. The other thing that bothered me a lot was... Um, it seemed like they didn't license very much of their music. They didn't license so they, any of it. So they made like these like fake versions yeah. of songs that Biggie would've made. That or was Pac so entertaining to me.
1: <laughs> Seeing what someone's interpretation of what Biggie oh, yeah. like what a Biggie rap would sound like. Yeah. I just got such a kick out of it because <sighs> On one hand, I was like, no. But on the Uh, other hand, I was like, I can see what you were trying to do there. Yo, but (laughs) honestly,
0: the Pac ones were actually kind of his style. I think Pac is Um,
1: easier to do than Biggie,
0: though. True. The Biggie ones, I actually think, because when it it first started, I was like, these are horrible. (laughs) But then I thought about it, and the time frame of Biggie was screaming Biggie. Yeah. And they did an okay job of giving us, like, the party and bullshit era flow of Biggie. Because, as you know, Biggie's flow really evolved, um, you know, over the course of of him doing ready to die and then him doing, you know, life after death. He just really refined his flow, but he was a little more rough around the edges. Lucky for them because the stuff (laughs) that they were giving us was not uh, that caliber. But I realized maybe two or three episodes in like, this show's not really about them. No, it's, right? not. Like, it's not. It's about not about these actors that are playing Pac and Biggie. Those are just kind of almost like if you were to watch America's Most Wanted or one of those like crime shows where they have a reenactment of someone showing you the crime or how they think the crime transpired. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how these folks part was in it. But, you know, the show was more centered around the detectives and the work that they were doing. 10 years later, you know, 20 years later, or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and that's when I really got into it and I really started to enjoy it. So you did so enjoy it? I did enjoy it. What, what
1: I, were your I loved it. Um, uh-huh. But I want to be clear that whether or not I, the show was right for doing this, right or wrong for mm-hmm. the way that they approached it, is not the argument that I'm making. Right. What I'm saying is once I realized what they were trying to do, I yeah. thought it was very effective what they did. And essentially yeah. what this whole series is about, is it's about trying to redeem individuals in the police department and in the justice system who were trying to solve these cases, yeah. right? Now, whether or not the show should have done that, whether or not these the actual individuals deserve that redemption, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna argue that right but that's what the show was trying to do yeah the show was trying to say that look you know we fucked this up yeah or or the police department whoever the justice system whoever fucked this up mm-hmm. so they were putting these individual detectives we have russell Poole back mm-hmm. when it was ongoing right. and then we have i think it was detective kating i forget his first name it's something kating yeah uh and then uh dupree or um dupers whatever the fuck yeah, his dupers. name was yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh and, and those two detectives um, I guess it would be what 2008 or whatever. Yeah, um, it was, and uh,
0: ten years later, yeah.
1: And so when you think about it from that point of view, I think it was very effective because I mm. empathized with those mm. detectives. Now again, whether or not the actual characters deserve that redemption, mm. I have no idea because I never met them. I don't know too much about them. But that's what the show was trying to do.
0: Yeah, I think they also did a good job of giving us like Russell Poole's background with that mm-hmm. first, the first situation where it was like was this a shoot between you know a gangster then they found out they were both cops and then you know it was like one one cop is a good cop one cop is a bad cop or whatever and you know him kind of having the supposedly moral compass that was pointed directly north they did a good job of setting that stage and then you know uh we got to watch it all play out i will say one of the things that i thought it was dope how they had the Almost three timelines. The the third timeline being in real time, Biggie and Pac. And then there was Russell Poole's timeline, which was maybe a month and going on Mm -hmm. from the murder. And then 10 years later. Right. Right. But at times you almost got confused. Like it was like they'd be on one timeline and then, you know, a scene would kind of jump. And you, especially early on when they were doing it, your mind had to like. Switch over and be like, oh no, this is the ten years out timeline.
1: Yeah, the right. way that I kind of saw it was um, when they were doing the initial timeline for Biggie and Pac mm-hmm. uh, meeting each other and becoming friends. Mm-hmm. First of all, they put the year on the screen so they let you know when it was. Right. But they also were changing up their color palette. So in that particular yeah, timeline, it was just a base, regular, standard color palette. And uh-huh. the Russell Pool timeline during the actual murder and then the investigation ongoing that was more of... Um, I think they like reduced the blues. Petty. Right, right, right. So it was more, a little bit more yellow. It was like less contrast or right. something. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was a little bit more of that yellow hue. Right. Uh, similar thing to what they did with True Detective. I'm not sure if you saw that I season one. That. Oh, it's a really good season if yeah. you if you haven't seen it. And then in the, I guess, the modern timeline, the one with mm-hmm. Kading and Dupree, right. they highlighted the blues a little right, bit right, more. Right. And that's one of the ways that they used to distinguish the different timelines. Yeah. So I thought it was effective the way they did that. Uh, one of the things
0: I want to say is... Um, Tupac and Biggie are individuals that are endeared to us for many reasons, right? Of course. Um, part of it is just like the just the sheer charisma. Mm-hmm. I think the guy who played Tupac did a better job of capturing the yeah. oh, we'll yeah. call it the quote unquote it oh, yeah. uh factor. Biggie did, did, did not Absolutely have that. that at all. And, and you not. know, everyone who talks about Biggie, you know, from his mother all the way down to people who just barely met him for a small amount of oh, time, yeah. the dudes from MOP, et cetera, they talk about how big of a personality he had like he was just a really charismatic guy Mm -hmm. and the actor did not did not do him any justice no
1: the way that they portrayed it they almost made it seem like Biggie was on the come up and they just kept him there always in that state of being on the come up right? always in that state of being behind the alpha or or like following and it's just like that's not Biggie Biggie was Biggie got to where he was because he was very confident very secure at least that was the image that he portrayed and by the time he got to California to do
0: that joint like like when he's he's getting ready to put life after death out like
1: he's mm-hmm. one of the
0: biggest rappers in the world like he's not still like oh yeah guys like what should i do he's right. big he's huge i also kind of would have liked to see how some of the other folks revered Biggie in New York and how he moved, he moved yeah. in New York like you know obviously there was a the whole thing with the Wu-Tang where you know like he you know he had respect for Method Man who mm-hmm. worked with him but then the, the rest of the Wu kind of some of those cats I think had, it was it, Ray and Ghost Ray in and Ghost I particularly think. yeah um, because Rizzo was obviously cool with them, produced, yeah, produced yeah, on them. Yeah, produce, um, produced that. You know, Nas with the whole album covers thing. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, it was though it was a misunderstanding, you know, it would have been nice to kind of see that, but I do know it wasn't necessarily their story.
1: Well, no, it um, wasn't. And that's what we had the movie for, right? That yeah. like piece of shit movie. <laughs> one of the, so what did you think about the actor that they picked for Suge Knight? Because it's the same one. The same that they, dude. And same actually... Dude
0: you had given him a lot of props previously right no i did not
1: i gained respect
0: for him this time you did okay i think for me
1: i still prefer the one who played suge and straight out of compton because my beef with my beef with the actor who plays him and the tupac movie all eyes on me and in this series is just i just don't fear him yeah yeah, he doesn't intimidate me and not that i should ever be intimidated by a character on screen but you know, for as much as I can be, I want that character to intimidate me. And he didn't do it the way that the guy in Straight Outta Compton
0: did. Agree wholeheartedly, but I think one of the things that I felt they did in this series is they, they humanized him. Um, sure. They thought they sure, did a good sure. job of, like, like when he came fair. and he, how he got cool with Pac, it was like, oh, yeah. Like, now I get—because I feel like back in those days when Pac, you know, all of a sudden he, he clicked up with Death Row and then he was on this crazy gangster shit, people yeah. were like— What's going on? Like why like why would he even I get that he's he bailed him out, but why would he be riding for them like that? Yeah. And I think they did a good job of humanizing him to a point where, you know, he kept saying like yeah, I just want to make sure black people get paid. Yeah. Right. And I think that's something about Suge that doesn't get portrayed a lot. About Not him, as that, much as it should have. Yeah, because I think he actually really did yeah, want he to did. get black people paid. He and, did. you know, he kind of talks about that. But when people paint him, they just paint him as this guy that everybody mm-hmm. fears and you don't get everything else. But particularly, you make a great point, the moment where the chain gets jacked. Right, right. Where the dudes roll up on Suge, it seems like a almost fair fight, and the fact that the guys felt so comfortable rolling up on Suge, I just kind of didn't really like that scene. Yeah, and the chain jack thing that happened in real life, Suge
1: wasn't there. Okay, so we're referring to the casino incident. Was that where it was? Well, where, which, where, which, just several. Where, there's several chain jacking the, scenes. The joint
0: right? where Suge and two other Bloods walk out of a building. It might no, have been. No, like Suge Sh- wasn't there in that scene. He was there. Was he really? Yeah, he was there in the scene. And then and I was like, why did that happen? Because uh, in maybe real life, I'm thinking life, of a
1: different scene. I'm, yeah, because I'm, in real life he wasn't there. Interesting. Is that the one, was that, one that was that the precursor the to the casino, the, like so earlier before, in the day yeah. or like the day before? Yeah, I don't remember them doing that scene like that. But maybe yeah. I. It's it, also completely possible that I'm confusing it with the All Eyes on Me. So, yeah, so it's, 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 it's the, because the scene, the All Eyes on Me, he's not in that scene. The
0: scene is set where Suge walks out of of a building. He's he's wearing all red. Yeah, two other guys wearing all red walk out of the building as well. And then they're just kind of kicking it in front of the building and having a conversation. Right. And then, and then three the or come. four Crips come yeah. out. And then they make a, a like a slob comment or like, you know, some some comment that's obviously derogatory to bloods. And then, you know, Suge kinda G checks them and then they start fighting and the guy reaches directly for the chain um oh, long story Shug short Shug, okay. yeah because suge himself actually grabs the chain out of the guy's hand and pulls it back and then you just see him holding the chain in his hand but it's a, it's like broken and yeah, then, you know okay. and then and then he kind of walks off but um that, like that moment is very important in the story of yeah. what transpired if, if it really transpired the way we you know we mm-hmm. think it's it's been historically cataloged so the fact that suge was not there I, you know, I I just I don't think that that was very well done. No, that's but. fair.
1: What amused me was the performance of Puff Daddy, and that's the same dude who yes. played Johnny Gill in the BET movie. That's right. Yeah. I also think is he's his, like a musician. His name is Luke James. Yeah, I think that's what it yeah. Is. Yeah, his performance was so no,
0: hilarious no, to me. No, no, and no. <laughs> and 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 mind you, you know, people say the negative things about Puff. Um, I'm not talking about Puff the actual Puff. person. I'm yeah. talking about the
1: character. The character on the was show. so far off. Yeah. So he, he seemed like off. a little punk and I wouldn't characterize Puff as being a punk. Yeah. But that's how he came off in the show.
0: I didn't like that at all. I agree. Yeah. He he did he did a terrible job.
1: Well, it may not necessarily I'm not criticizing the actor so much as I think that you know criticize the director yeah. or in the showrunners um, who decided was, to portray that character that it that definitely light. was
0: written from Tupac's perspective almost I think so. and and it was weird because so. even like when people were trying to solve the case they kept being like this isn't the Tupac murder this is the yeah. Biggie murder like yeah. and yeah, yeah, and i yeah, felt yeah, that yeah. way about like the whole narration of the story was like okay are we talking about Biggie because mm-hmm. it was it was definitely like
1: team Tupac i um, think it was team Tupac yeah, yeah, for sure but uh, another thing that amused me was that in, when we had the All Eyes on Me movie, not only did they reduce two characters into one, but they also changed that character's name. They had all the actual oh, people's yeah. names. like So oh, they called yeah. out Jimmy Henchman and Haitian Jack. Yep. They actually specifically called them out, which yep. was like, okay. Yeah. Uh, so they didn't really hold but, any punches in that regard. But
0: um, Jimmy Henchman is in jail for life. And I don't know if that was necessarily the case when they started the All Eyes on Me joint. Maybe. I think cats like, felt a little safer <laughs> working Maybe. on this project. I, I just, you know, because, yeah, they gave us, like, a lot of detail. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, they, they showed the, the situation with the rape, right. um, you know, assault. Did they show
1: us the Pac shooting? They didn't show us that, Yeah, they right? did. They yeah, did? They did. Okay. yeah, because remember, afterwards, he gets up and walks into the studio Biggie and Puff Daddy are in the studio mm-hmm. along with someone else. Mm-hmm. And he just sits down there and he like, starts smoking a cigarette. And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't remember yeah, it happening that way. Not at all. That's <laughs> I've never seen anyone narrate the story as if it happened in that fashion. Yeah. Like, as far as I know, they dragged him into the elevator, right? Uh-huh. Or out of... What happened in real life? Does he, does he go into the elevator? He goes or out into
0: the elevator. And then they get the ambulance. And then he goes up to the top. Yeah. And then supposedly when the doors open, he sees Biggie in there. And that's why he, in his mind, supposedly believed that Biggie was involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that was also ridiculous. Anyway. But uh, anyway, pretty well done. I think I, I recommend Cats to watch it. Also, Definitely I do. think, um, dude from Jason's Lyric.
1: Oh um, yeah, Beaumont something. That's just like the actual actor's name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the guy yeah, who plays Dupree.
0: Uh, whatever his name is, he did a really good job. I'm not a fan at all. But I
1: thought he did a good but job. He was great
0: in this. Film, oh okay. For like yeah, like yeah, yeah, or yeah. this show. To me, he's like in my list. When I think of worst actors, he's like in my list. Like my like <laughs> bottom ten. Uh-huh. But he was actually good in in this show. I was uh, you know I was impressed with him. I thought it was a little funny that. His accent has always been really weird to me, like mm-hmm. the way he talks. I think he sounds like he's from, like, Boston or New Hampshire yeah, or something. But he was supposed to be from Cali, and he's supposed to be from, like, Compton, and he had family. And I'm just like, dog, your accent?
1: There's no way. Well, we what do are- you think <laughs> about Lorenz Tate's brother? <laughs> he's he? the one who played uh, the main crip that we always that they always kept going back to. I forget oh, his name.
0: Uh,
1: and they end up getting him on, like, the... Selling the uh, Promethion or whatever whatever that was, was. yeah, that's 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 Lorenz Tate's brother. I didn't know that. Yeah, Uh, what do you think about his performance? Mark cast Buster. It was cool.
0: I mean, he (laughs) sounded like he sounded like he was from Cali. Yeah, uh, which a lot of people didn't. (laughs) So he was he was fine to me.
1: What do you you think? I thought he was fine. I'm curious. We talked a lot about how you know the show was really focusing on the detective characters, right? Mm -hmm. But what did you think about the actual? news or information that they gave us and mm. I remember that you were saying that you actually initially you weren't looking forward to the series because you knew that they weren't gonna give us anything that we didn't already know right and mm. I don't think that they did did they not necessarily not necessarily so the but, stuff that they yeah. did give us do you think it corroborates things that we knew or I think it's pretty it was pretty spot-on and mm. they
0: actually gave us a uh, like I didn't think they were gonna like be like this is what we really think happened yeah and they kind of did yeah. and um and like you said they named names they <laughs> I mean you 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 know, they showed us... I I was actually impressed with the depth of the show in terms of the quote-unquote factual accuracy.
1: Yeah, and to their credit, even though I think they tried to vindicate uh, some particular detectives who worked on this case, they also didn't really mince words when it came to the Justice Department, the Vegas Police Department, yeah. and the LA Police and, Department. Uh, it was the Compton PD that yes. they said it got shut down. Yes, and they they didn't they didn't take it easy on them at all.
0: But for me, like I was like like if they don't mention the Rampart Division. Which Dennis one was the Rampart it? Division? Um, so, that,
1: so I don't think they did because I don't remember they did, that. They, they did. did? Which uh-huh. one was the Rampart Division?
0: The Rampart Division, I think, were the folks that initially were supposed to do the Biggie uh, investigation. Okay. And then remember, they just sat on it for like a month and then somebody else had to come in. But uh, there was a big scandal where I guess, um, and I I think we should probably we should probably Google it. You want to Google it? And Go ahead, just, for a second So they talked about the Rampart Scandal and I felt as though like that really gave it credence. As somebody mm-hmm. who came up in California, the Rampart Scandal was something that everybody kind of knew about like yeah. crash cops and rampart and i was i was happy that they covered
1: yeah that in that. we just looked this up and the main character involved in this was raphael perez mm-hmm. he was the one where he's pulling out of his driveway in a big like suv truck and i want to say that russell pool comes up behind him in the car and it looks like he's about to hop out the car and and blast on russell but he you know i guess he turns himself in mm-hmm. and he was the one that when they were interrogating him Didn't say much about Biggie or Tupac, but he was saying how they were dropping weapons and planting evidence. And he was very calm and cavalier about it. Almost bragging about all the corrupt shit that they were doing. He said
0: something about like
1: 90%
0: of the cops were doing it. Remember? Yeah. He was like, yeah, 90% of us do it or something like that. Yeah. So I thought that was dope that they alluded to Talked about that as well.
1: Okay. Um, Well, before we move on from the unsolved Tupac and Biggie murders, you know, they're actually having a movie about this too. I kid you not the last time I was in the theater I saw a trailer for I think it's called City of Sin something along the lines of that I forget what it is but it's starring Johnny Depp and Forrest Whitaker and Johnny what? Depp is playing Russell Poole and I kid you not like in the trailer they show the scenes where you know like the corrupt police officer like robbed the bank in the show uh-huh. they show that in the trailer for this movie is as Forrest well.
0: Whitaker the corrupt no,
1: no 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 Forrest Whitaker is another journalist because
0: it was Omar Gooding this time around right
1: Oh yeah, he was in this. Yes, yes, yes. He was the uh, corrupt cop. But no, but no, no. Forrest Whitaker is a journalist. Mm. Um, So I think that he's working with Russell Poole years after the fact. So this would be along the like the 2008 timeline of of trying to figure some shit out. Mm. And of course, they dramatize it. I mean, yo, it's crazy how much of the stuff we're getting, right? Like they're really trying to capitalize on. The O.J. Simpson true crime that was great, day. by the way. The the show yeah. with uh, courtney Courtney versus right? uh, O.J. Simpson, right? Yeah. They're trying to capitalize on that. The ESPN documentary, obviously, yeah. this unsolved thing. Like, yeah. apparently, we cannot get enough of these unsolved or random nineties. Everybody crime, loves nineties stuff. Yeah. yeah. So,
0: uh, looking forward to checking that out.
1: Hopefully, uh, we get that soon. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think it's in September. Okay. All right. So, the next show or the next thing we should talk about is the film the netflix film the roxanne roxanne starring yeah. the main actor would be mahershala ali oh yeah. and nia long is in it as well yeah, yeah uh so what were your thoughts on this i thought it was really well done okay i came in with
0: n- low to no expectations i came in with the same exactly. Um, yeah and then additionally i'm not a huge 80s hip-hop fan that's fair. Right. um so as a result of that will you respect 80s i, example, I definitely respect obviously. it yeah but yeah. um but like when i talk about my favorites I don't think any of my favorites, with the exception of maybe Rakim. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rakim, G-Rab, Kane. Uh, G-Rab. But um, the 80s isn't my favorite era of him. I feel you. Roxanne, Roxanne, like, I learned things. I definitely watching, learned things too. You know what I mean? And uh, But I thought it was really well done. The one the one moment I thought was uh, stapled on the end was, uh, I guess this is a spoiler alert, Nas in oh, the Nas, end, yeah. It was just like, what well, they had, they had to. You guys stapled this. on No, the end I, of the you, movie I tell you so what, though, had, I was
1: expecting it because uh, when I didn't know that much about Roxanne Roxanne, I knew she was yeah, a real person. Yeah, but I only knew that after hearing about this movie. So wait, go,
0: you didn't know about. Roxanne Roxanne like yeah Roxanne's Revenge no, like the I whole battle I and all that I didn't that? know about that oh, at that's all that's like that's
1: huge no I learned about that before watching this movie but okay. aside from that I didn't know that that stuff existed but you right? know
0: about like the Bridges Over and all the KRS stuff I know stuff about the and Bridges and Over that. yes yeah. yes okay. yes
1: but that's the extent of it that I know okay right and I, I realized that KRS-One was beefing with MC Shan and Marley Mar, mm-hmm. um, who created hip hop right and mm-hmm. MC Shan is in this movie yeah yeah he was one of her homies
0: yeah, this is like the Queen's movie, and and, yeah, and that's dope too. Cause that's uh, why I'm glad know.
1: Nas was in it. Cause once I heard yeah. the shoes from Queensbridge, I was like, Oh, I hope Nas gets an appearance, and he did. So yeah. it was fan service. I was glad yeah. to see it. Yeah, it was funny. I wonder how how real that scene was. did I Nas imagine it probably it? was real. I haven't I haven't looked into it, but uh-huh. it wouldn't be a bit surprised if they had some type of interaction those two. Yeah, uh, Roxanne Shante. I and think Nas, Nas.
0: I think I had seen somewhere that Nas like basically co-sign like his part in it so I, yeah. I don't think it was like they just made him look like a stooge and he didn't know about it but um it was just funny it okay. was like you know because he like came up and was like i all basically i always wanted to be you and i was just like i never heard that story from nas like i never right. heard nas be like yo i really looked up to roxanne Shante, and that's how i
1: you know kind of developed my persona as a rapper um i think it makes sense though if if their depiction of her rapping pedigree is accurate mm-hmm. then it would absolutely make sense that if she was, was ringing, if she was the battle queen rap. of Queens Bridge she would absolutely know who she was
0: but I mean we're talking the 80s right so you have G-Rap who's also from Queens you Queens know, you Bridge have- or
1: Queens I don't think he's from Queens Bridge he's not from Queensbridge. No. she's from Queens Bridge as is not Shan yes Juice Crew was a Queens Crew I don't know where the Juice Crew is from I no, don't even know who's in the Juice Crew except I just know the name Juice you Crew you know Ace and, and Shan oh Okay, 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 Wally, Master yeah. Ace is in... Uh, uh, yeah. Master Ace was in... Uh, and then, re-
0: remember, BDK was in there, but he basically complained because he said that they didn't really consider him a real member of the juice crew
1: was that the one um, Duh, yep, the yeah okay, that's juice crew yeah that's the i Symphony. didn't know
0: that okay yes. all like right if i did know that record. i just forgot it so master Ace attention. at the time was in the crew he was the youngin he was like okay. 18 or something bdk became a member of the juice crew later on and bdk actually talks a lot about when the whole the beef with shan and you know all those types of things came and you know apparently krs1 was his man was whose man
1: was BDK's man. Wait, Kane?
0: Yeah. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's okay. crazy. So so supposedly they came to cuz I remember like once, hearing
1: in an interview where Kane was like, I think it was you was telling me this was Kane always wanted to battle KRS-One and not he Rock He did. Him. He
0: did and I'll tell you that part later, right? Okay. But uh, but supposedly when KRS-One first got his first paycheck he moved out of his mom's house, okay he said that b d k was the big daddy Kane was the one who carried his television screen to help him move out of his mother's, his oh, mother's wow. place They were like friends' oh. friends that's cool and um the reason he said he wanted to battle k r s was because he said. He, as a battle MC, didn't feel he could score points off battling Rakim. Right. Because he felt as though Rakim was not a battle he's MC. Not. He was a rapper. Yeah. Like, like he didn't feel like that was his thing, like coming up with stuff off the top and battling, picking somebody apart. Yeah. He said that was what KRS is.
1: That was what KRS is. So he wanted
0: to battle somebody who people knew as a battle yeah. MC. So he said that, the, the you know, Marley and them came to him and was like, KRS is going too far. That's supposed to be your man. He's, he's killing Shan. <laughs> like, we need you to get at him. And he said shan wouldn't call him by his name shan called him the new nigga. so he said that like every time you know he'd be like oh we about to do a show is the new nigga coming so he said he didn't feel like a real member of the juice crew and so when the juice crew started getting killed by krs he's like and Fuck they y'all. came to him he was like y'all told me i ain't even really all the way in this so i'm not gonna step in because Good for you Kane. this don't got nothing to you. do with me Good for you, but uh yeah yeah so anyway um yeah i thought that it was dope Marshalla, obviously, oh, obviously, he, he stepped obviously. up, he did his thing, he he, he was good. Nia was was, was excellent. Oh, yeah. She yeah. made me hate her. Um, <laughs> you, Why if would you hate her? If you play a role where, you know, you're supposed to be deplorable for whatever reason, and like the way I feel about your character is unfavorable. So you had an you unfavorable
1: opinion of Nia Long because I didn't.
0: It seemed like she didn't care about All her right. kids. So, she was so busy, like,
1: okay, okay, smoking okay. her cigarettes, right. doing whatever the fuck. This show, in my opinion, this movie, is not really about hip-hop. Right. It's not even really about Shantae, uh, Roxanne Chante. Right. This movie, at its core, the real arc of this movie is about what happens when black men are not in the family. Period. That's what this thing's about. Even at the very end, right before they do the credits, you see a interview where Roxanne, the actual person, Shantae, Roxanne Chante, is right. saying that black men like if you hold it down like everything is good I, I can't remember the exact words that she's saying mm-hmm. but she's basically saying that she's like men like step up because when you guys step up to the plate everything else comes into place right. and the whole arc of this film starts when the dude I think his name is David uh, leaves Nia Long's character mm-hmm. and it takes her and money. Takes her money. Takes her money business, That's when right. everything falls apart. Yeah, and Roxanne even acknowledges that at the end, when she's in the hospital, she says, "When you started." drinking when you picked up that bottle my right. life fell apart and mm-hmm. that's what all of this is yeah and so when you look at you look at the first act you look at yeah we kind of set up their family life but then you see you know they've got this stepdad character in David right. then he leaves so now she has to try to figure out things on her own and we get right. a little bit of the hip-hop but then she gets She's into like and right. all that. and yeah. then we get into we meet Mahershala Ali's character right. and then so it's that whole dynamic and the entire arc of the story, whether or not you agree with that in principle or not, like right. that's what the movie is talking about. Mm-hmm. It's how her life came apart because she didn't have a father in the home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think that's necessarily a negative or bad message. I mean, I think yeah. that was the truth in her situation. Yeah,
0: even um, the really, really sad scene where they all wait outside for the mm-hmm. dad and then he never shows up. Right, And they're exactly. just all like just outside. They have these pretty dresses on. Exactly. On. Yeah, definitely.
1: And so... Nia Long's character, her mother is basically telling her, you know, not to trust men and, you know, all those, those, that negative messaging, but she got screwed. Right. And what the actual person is telling us in that interview, I'm not sure if it was an MTV, your TV raps interview. I'm not sure mm-hmm. what it was, okay. but basically she was like, look, you know, if there was a man in the house and he was holding it down, mm-hmm. everything would have been okay. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like what happens. And so it mm-hmm. allows us to empathize with the person in her situation mm-hmm. to see her family life ripped apart. So mm-hmm. in that perspective, I didn't detest Nia Long's character. I mean, like, mm-hmm. what what else was she going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, she had all those kids' support. And even if you say that, okay, well, Nia Long could have done it on her own, all of her savings were stolen. No,
0: it wasn't that. It was just, you know, obviously, like you said, she became very miserable and mm-hmm. very bitter. and But she allowed it to, you know, to, to affect the way she parented her kids. And, you know, I mean, at that point in time, Roxanne basically had to step up and become the She parent. did. She uh, did.
1: Yeah. So. So I am not going to be too critical of Roxanne, Roxanne's mother, uh, Shantae's mother. I mean, it is what it is. Obviously, it's not a, an ideal situation, but they look like they made it out, at least at the end. You know, everybody was all smiles and whatnot. So. Yeah. The one thing that I don't remember being uh,
0: in the film, but I do remember about Roxanne and, and if it was, and I just don't remember, uh, definitely correct me if I'm wrong, but um, Roxanne Chante supposedly had kind of finessed a clause in her record deal where they had to send her to, to college. Okay. And so and, oh, and I so, heard about this. So, so they didn't talk about that in yeah, the movie. Yeah, they didn't talk about it in the movie, which I think is like the coolest thing about her, right? Yeah, so, but so,
1: that's also I think that's also been debunked. So she yeah, had to apologize yeah, or do yeah, something. Yeah, so
0: I, I think and, that, and that's why I was I wanted to look it up. But I think what happened was I think she claimed that she could get a PhD out of it. Yeah. Which I don't think was true. But I think I think the clause about her going to college was
1: true. But I don't but, think she actually went to college. I think she lied about that, if I'm not mistaken. Really? I don't Look, I don't have the information. I was mm-hmm. looking at something on Wiki and that okay. was my interpretation of it. Yeah. I, maybe that was not written and I just misread it. Yeah. But I'll there have to was look look controversy yeah, Basically
0: surrounding the it. way the way it was you know, I had read it initially okay. was um that she basically she had this contract and obviously the contract wasn't great, which mm-hmm. we saw her have, you know, struggles with contracts and stuff like right. that. But um in the contract even though she didn't get paid as much as she may have should have I think her mother was the person who I think encouraged her to put a clause in it that basically said, you know, if this shit doesn't pan out, basically you can go back to college and they'll pay for you to give, go get a degree. And then later, you know, Did years she later. high
1: school though? I got the impression had, she dropped she probably out. had to get her GED. Maybe, okay.
0: And then years later, like I'm talking, you know, in the last 10 years, yeah. she picked up that contract and basically cashed it in to go to college. Now, what I think. Oh, okay. What, what I think the that was debunked was i think she did an interview or something and said she was getting her phd or had gotten her phd or something about her phd okay was was in the story and i think that was false all right and then it got debunked and then she had to come out and apologize because she didn't have a phd okay yeah
1: so um i thought it was really really cool though i think i like oh, uh, oh go ahead. ahead
0: i think folks should definitely watch it first of all i think this story is a lot more frequent than people think mm-hmm. the story of a parent who loves their children, but works so hard to make ends meet or to create whatever, you know, the environment is. I mean, I know that the drinking definitely mm-hmm. you know, played in later, but, um, that they almost don't really have the time to really be the parent that they want to be because they're busy doing other things. Right. Um, I think that was a big storyline. And then, you know, Roxanne coming into her own as a woman and you know i mean there was that scene where she was she was crashing on that dude's couch yeah and then you know that yeah. whole situation transpired and then uh the next level was her getting down with mahershala who was right. obviously into some shit that she knew she shouldn't be into and yo, much older than her yo like
1: much older because her right. character was 16 when they hooked up yeah. maybe even 15 and that dude had he to be like mid 30s maybe right, 40 right something ridiculous and he then he you know
0: him going to Almost like a pimping type of a thing, whatever in the fuck of situation the that was, was. You know, but like you said, like it all hinged around her. First of all, not not having a father and not really knowing how to navigate that situation. And, Mm -hmm. and he was just a persistent man who really took interest in her. And it seemed like their interaction was much more about the fact that he was a persistent man who seemed like he had a shit together that was taking interest in her. than it did like, Oh, he's, he's a sweetheart. I mean, he he bought her like a a, a mink or whatever, but it was, it seemed to be more about that than anything else. But just the way people interact with each other and I think there's a
1: lot of lessons to be learned
0: from the movie. I thought it was really
1: well put together. I thought it was really well put together. Mm-hmm. The last thing I'll say about it, just something that I thought was cool, was how they showed actually Roxanne's revenge coming together. Yeah. What I didn't realize was that's actually Marley Mall's first like big hit. He had another, I looked at this disc- discography. Right. He has another single that was out before that, but I don't think mm-hmm. it was a hit. That was his first big hit hit I didn't that, know that. Made, that made a lot of noise. If I'm not mistaken, it was.
0: That was something that I didn't know. And But yeah. the, the big thing I didn't know is that I didn't know that Roxanne was so notorious the way they have her portrayed in the in Well, the do film. you think
1: that's dramatized or do you think that's for real?
0: I think it's dramatized, but at the same time, not to toot my own horn or anything, right. but I know what it's like when you're the person who, you know, you're a new kid and you come to the school or you're a new kid and you come to the neighborhood and you say, I rap. Mm-hmm. And everybody goes, oh, Yo, you should talk to Roxanne or you should battle Roxanne. Like every neighborhood and every school has that. They have like a person who everybody knows, you know. And so they may have dramatized it to where she's now battling these grown ass men and all this Mm -hmm. other stuff. And she's making all this money. But the fact that I I think it's probably true that she probably did have a name to the point where people were like, yo, you wanna rap? Like, go holler at this person.
1: Yeah. I, I thought that was dope. So go check that out. It's on Netflix. Do you have anything else to add for it? No. Okay. So the next thing we should talk about, which was just released on Netflix not too long ago, was the Luke Cage series. Yeah. So this is a big, big spoiler there because we know a lot of people like this show. Like, this is the like second them. season, though. It is the second season. Right. It is the second season. So what are your thoughts? Good
0: show, I guess. I like that they injected a lot of hip-hop. Yes, um, they did. I don't know if you're an Adrian
1: Young fan. I'm not sure if I would use the word fan, okay. but I like... Adrian Young. I'm not gonna I, buy everything he did, but I, I did I'm, buy his first project with Ghostface. Yeah. Um, I did enjoy the Black Dynamite soundtrack. That was great. So for me. I'm not a huge fan. Okay.
0: Right. I'm a fan of the
1: aesthetic. Yes. Yes. But and in terms of the, the way
0: it's executed for hip hop albums, mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily a fan of it. Yeah. But the way it's executed for soundtracking to me mm-hmm. is perfect.
1: Well, I mean, because I think his first big project was the Black Dynamite soundtrack. Is that right? That's the Michael J. Michael Jai White one. Okay. It's, it's like the, the black exploitation spoof. You gotta watch it. It's hilarious. I thought his first was um was either Prime or the Ghostface one. Well, no, no. He did Ghostface after Black Dynamite. Okay.
0: So for folks that don't know, Prime is a group that's DJ Premier and Where's the Five Nine. Mm-hmm. But the, the aesthetic that they do for their collaborative albums is basically Adrian Young does a whole bunch of music. He gives it to DJ Premier. DJ Premier chops it up and makes the beats for their records. Boom. So that's like kind of a different, a little different because typically what Premier does is he goes out, he gets random popular jazz records or not so popular jazz records from back in the day and he, he cuts stuff up here he's limited to just the records that Adrian Young makes and then, you know, kind of same with what happened with the Ghostface production, right? Was it Adrian Young and Rizzo? Or-
1: well, which one? Because we'll he has two right? albums. I think it was like uh, 12... 12-something. 12 that's the one. 12-something. 12, 12 Reasons to Die or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Uh, so he's got two albums, and those are both produced by Adrian Young. I don't think Rizzo had anything to do with them. Okay. But I will say yeah. that in terms of that aesthetic, mm-hmm. uh, there's several different musicians who kind of do things like that. So there's Adrian Young, who we we're just talking about. Right. There's also the house band for... Daptone Tone, the whatever, like Sharon King and the Dap Kings. Yeah, I've heard of it. Um, that. that house band, okay. that's the same band that was producing for Amy Winehouse, the same band that produces for Charles Bradley, I think his name. Okay. So basically, what they do is what they about don't. Just, Will Tell? I don't Who's Will Tell?
0: Did the L-Matic, the L-Zai remake of, of, of uh, L-Matic. Haven't, I haven't even seen that. I have to uh, listen to it's that. It's another band that like plays, uh, you know, all the instruments.
1: And there's another one that is is uh, Michelle's Affair, which is the one that I like the most. But essentially, oh, what all what they do is they record things using like old equipment and some kind of old techniques to make it sound like it's yeah. got that '60s yeah. '70s soulful sound because yeah. a lot of You know, we were talking about Leon Bridges, right? Like Leon Bridges, they weren't using those old techniques. Maybe they had an old sound or old genre, but it was very much a modern production, right? Right. right? These artists that we're talking about right now, they specifically have yep. the old school production in their music. Yeah, um, and I run think their that between stuff like analog machines right. and stuff like that. And between yeah. artists who've worked with Wu-Tang, if we're gonna talk about Adrian Young, the one that I prefer would be the El Michelle's Affair. That's the one that they did the, he did the two albums. Basically sample oh, I've sent you some of the stuff. Right. Basically what he does is he gets his band together and they sample or RZA produced tracks, but then they remake them as if they were the tracks that were being sampled, right? Mm-hmm. So it's basically it like he'll take the cream he'll right. take the cream riff and then come up with his own song with that riff using the old school recording mm-hmm. techniques, mm-hmm. and when you hear it you're like wow, that's Cash was Everything Around Me is that the actual sample? And it's not because right. he made it in like 2011 yeah. but it sounds like that's it was tough. made in 1970 he's got two albums of this oh so dope so dope. Was, anyway uh, so yeah, yeah but between those
0: on. definitely uh maybe we'll we'll put in the
1: comments or something and yeah get, get y'all the links to so that. but back to adrian young you're saying mm-hmm. it you thought, thought what he did worked well with the luke I Cage thought, series.
0: yeah what he did worked really well with the uh luke cage series i, I think he's like a really good soundtracker. Yeah. um and and i think you know for a show that tried to do this and and actually did it pretty successfully in the first uh season you know, they would play Gangstar in the background. Mm-hmm. They would play certain hip-hop records. And they were playing was, a lot of really Wu-Tang in this one. Yeah, we, they had got, Shame on a Nigga,
1: and they oh had... Um, Yo. They had, like I think it was like Fourth
0: Chamber or something Honestly, like that. Honestly, I never knew how well ODB's music <laughs> goes with fighting scenes like honestly I don't want to hear any other music on fighting scenes anymore I just want to hear ODB's music on fight scenes uh, I think they started this season with Shame on a Nigger right?
1: No was like the Shame on a Nigger one was the one season. where it was uh, he and Danny Rand the Iron Fist were fighting uh, oh, in, the, yeah, that's in the lab right. that's right they Yo, had another I, one where it was, was like, maybe it was I'm not sure if it was Wu-Tang Clan's "Nothing to fuck with or they had a, a few ones like the like the 36 Chambers yeah, Wu-Tang yeah they had yeah. a few of them joints yeah. in the soundtrack, so they
0: did that well. And then just like the backgrounds, I thought were were really good.
1: I thought the Rockem song was a little literal. Well, um, all right. So we should talk but, about the live performances real quick. So right. let me just say that the live performances don't really make much sense. They're dope. <laughs> They're dope, right? So for example, when the yeah. Rockem comes out, that comes out at the very end, right? And he's basically about rapping. Luke Cage's story, right. and the fact that people would be in the club listening to this, it makes no fucking yeah, sense. Right? at all. And it, they're but, like, they're all like, oh yeah, that's true. He none did none do of that. the perform- <laughs> none of the live performances makes sense except yeah. for the Jada Kiss Faith Evans joint with Biggie uh, in the background. Right, right that right. one makes sense. Right. The rest of them, they had a dope ass blues guitarist, right? Uh-huh. But then they had people up jamming to it. Yeah. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I am all about a dope blues performance. I mean, then that shit was fire. Yeah, but no. 20 30 40 something right. well to do dressed up going to the club getting turned up to blues me- i'm sorry like it's just not happening yeah,
0: they did a really bad job i think of like portraying what nightlife looks like in any well, way i don't they think, I don't think that was a goal but you're correct they try to create like a kind of an upscale lounge yes, GM, yes. which i've actually seen promoters try to do that mm-hmm. here in washington dc right yeah. and. It doesn't really work. It's not working right now. There's a way. There's kind of a way that you have to put it together to make that happen. But even so, right? Like everybody, like in their nice, I don't know, suits and everything. Like you said, they're not going to be up and turned up to some, you know, bassist or whatever.
1: And then they had KRS One perform as well, which was Mm -hmm. funny because Alfred Woodlove's going to get uh, you. I ain't heard that song forever. Yo, you're so it, w- it was so goes. weird about that because uh, was a uh, Mariah Stokes, Stokes, mm. Mariah Stokes. <laughs> she's on the phone and she's like, G- "Get Chris Parker." and I'm like, "Wait, that's KRS One, if I'm not mistaken." All right. And then it is KRS One. I'm like, "All right, like." and this was the party that was supposed to get everybody to come out like yeah, look I honestly I, I love KRS-One right. but no one is turning up for KRS-One right. love's gotta get you like And it was maybe some, like, Sound of the Police or something and, and it was some like we
0: need to reduce the the <laughs> violence like if you're gonna stop the violence and you wanna get everybody there to stop yeah. the violence you gotta play some relevant <laughs> shit but it,
1: it, was, it was so funny because they picked that song for the actual narrative of the show exactly. not necessarily for an accurate portrayal of what that scene would actually look like but the other thing too is that Carus one is supposedly a very insightful brother. Um, yeah. You know, he cares about things like stop the violence or whatnot. Right. He would not do a show for Mariah Stokes and then salute her at the end. He That's like gave true. her. Yeah, he Kara's one would not do that right. in real life. Yeah. So, but I'm glad that they did him. They did it for this so they could uh, get his money. And I think that was more of what the actual yeah. show was trying to do they weren't necessarily trying to depict this nightlife scenario to be accurate they were yeah. trying to give shine to specific artists and from that perspective mm. i'm glad that they made those choices yeah even but you could just tell even as an to, audience to take just, it, it doesn't
0: to, work to take it to something very basic right season one right first right. of all this show is very very pro harlem it's, mm-hmm. it's all harlem everything right you go to Mahershala Ali's pad and he has a big, big, a huge Biggie portrait. Yeah, which that like, doesn't really make sense. Biggie's from Brooklyn, Bruce dog. From Brooklyn. Like that would yeah. never
1: happen. Right, like, right, like, right, So
0: I mean, just even at its very base, the small, some of the small details just do not line up.
1: But the problem um, is they don't have a, a picture with Big L and a crown. But here's the thing: look, in fairness to them using yeah. Biggie, mace, dog. Like, in fairness to them using Biggie the reason why they did it is because, mm-hmm. look, he was considered the king of New York right. for two, three years, however many years this in shows up to Harlem. It needed right? to be Dougie Fresh. You're, I, I, it should have been Dougie Fresh. Well, all right. But they still needed an iconic, recognizable face yeah. with the crown because yeah. okay. they were constantly doing that, not just in that picture, right? Uh-huh. You also have the, the Basquiat image with the, the two figures with the crowns on their heads. Mm-hmm. And they were superimposing that with Mariah Stokes and Hernan yeah, Shades yeah, or whoever, right? Yeah. But there were also various other other random scenes where you would see someone's head like in the background there was a crown shaped object so they kept doing that. That's the reason why they were doing that. Yeah, And thematically it makes sense specifically for this season which I actually think was better than the first season Mm -hmm. because the main thing that they tried to do, once the show actually got started, I thought it started out horribly. Yeah, it was, it yeah. was really bad and, the first three episodes. And yo,
0: I'm just going to put this out there for any of our listeners that might be involved in creative arts. If you want to have a show that's centered around Jamaican culture, cast Jamaicans. <laughs> if you want to have a show that's centered around African culture... Cast Past Africans African. Like Like what are we doing here yeah. You know
1: These accents are all over the place And well, What you did know. you think about John McIver Cause I actually thought He, he was the was main Jamaican main Yes guy. he's the main villain I
0: thought he His accent was Among the better ones Okay was but it I, 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 I thought it was At times right. Other times it, Like Like there were certain words that yeah. were either completely omitted or you know just not u- like not used that are very like yardy words where it's just like mm-hmm. this person's not jamaican
1: so first of all that actor who i was a big fan of mm-hmm. i love this character more so than eric killmonger i mm-hmm. thought he's one you of like the
0: him better than killmonger
1: i thought this guy was really 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 good like you know initially when we first meet him i was like oh he's just another villain and yeah. then the more you see from him, the more you see about his backstory yeah, and the things that he believes in, it's just like, really yo, good. like I was rooting for Bushmaster probably more than I was rooting for anyone else, and not yeah. the same way that people were rooting for Killmonger, right? Like uh-huh. We didn't really talk about the Black Panther movie, and we're not going to talk about it right now, but one thing I will say about Eric Killmonger is that I know that a lot of people, particularly African Americans, were rooting for this character. They right. thought he was a good guy, and I understand that, but at the end of the day, Eric Killmonger was an imperialist. He believed in imperialism. Right. He just wanted it to be that black folks would be the ones, exactly. ones, to, ones to run the world so if you think that that's cool then fine but if you don't believe in imperialism like that's not necessarily <laughs> a person who even you can empathize with them right. and root for for certain things that he's doing in the end like that's not if you don't like imperialism like eric killmonger is not someone that you should be rooting yeah, for exactly and so from that perspective there wasn't much the Bushmaster was doing that you know yeah. like yeah he was causing problems and some innocent people died Obviously, that's not cool. <laughs> Obviously, that's not cool. But yeah. as his story the story unfolded, it, you're
0: just like you're just like actually. Is he, is he really is he really wrong though? <laughs> is he is he wrong? Like no, right, like right, i right.
1: really really empathize
0: with them. And dog, uh, once they burnt down the restaurant, yeah, I was fully in Bushmasters oh, yeah. camp. Oh yeah, like, I, I had to be. You oh know? yeah, and Luke Cage was just trying to play the middle too much. yo. like it was he was starting to piss me off.
1: So one of the things I will say about this series uh in this season and i was kind of getting to it a little bit like when we actually start to see thematically what the show is about with essentially it's about who what what does it mean to be a king it's kind of like machiavellian in in that sense right and that started to be revealed to me around episode six episode seven and of course when you go all the way to the end it's very very paramount very very paramount right so from that perspective like once i started to see those themes settle in i started to enjoy the show a lot more yeah The reason why I thought the show started off really, really bad is because they were kind of, what they were doing, they were kind of all over the place. And Mm -hmm. what they were doing is they were taking elements from social media, pop social media, Uh, and they were kind of throwing them on into the show just to kind of like get people's attention, Right. right? I felt like they were kind of doing that to the disservice of the story. Mm. And it was kind of scattered and all over the place. And in particular, Luke Cage didn't really make sense to start. His whole beef with Claire Temple is so contrived and manufactured. It's essentially, if you take Luke Cage's side to it, Claire Temple is the nagging woman who can't support her man. And if you take her side then Luke Cage is the guy who you know doesn't know his own strength and he's stubborn and he won't listen to his woman and all those other things and it doesn't right. really make any it, sense. No
0: nah, their beef made no sense.
1: It made no sense because once she leaves the picture, it's right back to the same Luke Cage that we know, mm-hmm. which is a guy who wants to do the right thing and play the middle. Right. And yet in the beginning of the series he's doing these ridiculous things. It's like wait this isn't Luke Cage. Yeah. But once she leaves literally once she leaves he's right back to the same Luke Cage. And it was right. almost like why do we even need yeah. these first first few episodes it didn't really make sense for them to do it that way so once they got all that shit out of the way
0: it almost felt like they did a really clunky job of just writing her out so she could go work on another project
1: it's in the end that's the only thing i could think of yeah it made no sense and and i
0: think I think they, like, try to set it up so that somehow she's going to pop back up. Maybe, like, in whatever's next Iron Fist or Daredevil or whatever, she's going to pop back up. Well, she has to. I mean, she's been in all
1: of those. She's been in every single one of the series, I think. I Mm. I haven't watched Iron Fist, and I didn't watch Jessica Jones Season 2, but I know that she was in Iron Fist. And I'm sure—I'm assuming she was probably in Jessica Jones Season 2. Yeah, she was. She was uh, briefly because uh, Luke Cage was in. Oh, was it? um, Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, man, I mean—
0: you're right. The beginning was kind of all over the place. I think they were trying to ground their footing in showing us what the new Harlem is now that Mahershal is gone. Yeah. Um. So now we we're introduced to Shades. We're introduced to Thomas Jones. Shout out to yes, Thomas Jones. Thomas uh, Jones, who
1: who had a way more speaking lines than I was anticipating. Yeah. He, he actually held it down. I man. thought he held it down yeah, too. He
0: was good. So shout out to him. And uh, uh for for those that don't know, uh, he's a, f- a family of a uh, of a close friend from UVA. Yes. So. Uh, Wahoo! Also, um, NFL vet had a very good career. Played for the Bears. Played for the Bears.
1: Played <laughs> for the Jets. Played for the Cardinals.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so anyway, completely off off topic. <laughs> um, they were trying to Wahoo-wah. set the set the stage for for the new Harlem, which was you know Mariah Stokes is now the queen pin. Mm-hmm. You know she's got shades in her corner. Who's her enforcer? Yeah. Uh, and Thomas Jones is his his number two. And then, you know, now you have Bushmaster and these Yardies who Bushmaster is this guy who, you know, is a. He's just kind of introduced to us as these Jamaicans who decide they want to take over Harlem. Yeah. And it's so much more than that. <laughs> and we don't know why, right? right. We're just, <clears throat> they're just like, well, we already have Brooklyn. It's like, well, no, I want to take over Harlem. It's yeah. rightfully mine. In yeah. a terrible Jamaican accent. Me gonna take what rightfully mine.
1: Harlem uh, uh, is me birthright. Harlem is me
0: birthright. <laughs> <laughs> right. So then you know he decides for whatever reason he's gonna take over Harlem. They flood the streets with uh with was it was that Mariah or him? It was him, right? Well, when Flo- well, that, they flood point? the
1: streets with the Luke Cage drugs, which are these that bad. That was drugs. not him. That was Arturo. That was Arturo. So that was before. So that was more Mariah. Than it was art, but that really had nothing to do. Yeah, Yeah. that really had nothing to do with anything.
0: So then he comes into Harlem and is letting everybody know, like, "Yo, tell Luke Cage I'm coming," type thing or whatever. Yeah. So at that point in time, I guess it's just us trying to get an understanding of what the what the lay of the land was for the first few episodes, and it was all over the place. It
1: was all over the place, but I think it was around episode four. Basically, once Rosario Dawson leaves the show, and I'm not knocking on her. (laughs) That's not because I actually think she does a good job as Claire temple it was just yeah. the writing the decisions that the showrunners decided to make for her character in that mm-hmm. relationship really just made no fucking sense
0: i think though they they also wanted to create because honestly you couldn't have the luke cage that you have at the end of the season sure with, with claire Temple this is true picture,
1: i will right? i will concede um, that yeah
0: and it's it's so weird because i mean you see it from the beginning the foreshadowing you know uh yeah. he actually says my name is my name which yeah. anybody who is like up on the wire and right. then push a t and yeah. pretty much any drug counterculture in urban environments right like my name is my name is like in The Wire, I'm on top of everything. This is,
1: I want my corners. That's that, was, that persona. Uh, that was... Uh, was Wood it? Harris. As Avon Barkstone. Yeah. He says that. I actually thought it was a dude who has, not Omar, um, Marlow. No, nah, no, nah, no. Nah. I thought it was him that at the in the very last season when he's about to go into prison and it's between him and Chris Pratlow. I think mm. Chris Pratlow goes, but I think it was in that scene. He's like, my name is my name. Maybe it was he both. May have, he may maybe, have repeated maybe both it. said it. Maybe but, both of them said it. But yeah, it was it was during the power
0: struggle between him and um, and Idris Elba, where mm-hmm. you know Idris Elba's like, "Yo, oh, fuck okay, these corners, okay. like we need to get on this business shit." Yeah. And Avon Barksdale's like, "I want my corners," and he's like, "My name is my name." He was talking okay. about how like his name is the most important thing to him, and yeah. that was supposed to be like the old way of thinking. Okay, right, 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 it. right. Anyway, so eventually, right, Luke Cage comes around and he he sees the people are are putting his name on these drugs. and you know i think it's the dude who's selling t-shirts with with hashtags i actually appreciated this character he's like why are you you know why are you so mad about this and he's like my name is my name right and i think that's where we see this foreshadowing of luke kind of feeling the power of Mm -hmm. being luke cage and Mm -hmm. it it becoming something to where you know by the end of the season we can't
1: even really tell the difference between him and and mariah and i and i think that that thematically is what makes this season so much better than the first season because the first season i think what really drew me into it was pretty much Mahershala Ali being amazing. Being right. Very magnetic, charismatic. And then once he goes from season one, it's kind of like, once we're introduced to Diamondback, you know, yeah. season one just kind of went downhill. He was like, sla- right. like
0: a slapstick villain.
1: Like- but in this... Season like It's really about uh what does it mean to be a king? What does it mean yeah. to be a ruler? Yeah. And like you said, we see it when he's talking about my name is my name. We also see it in a confrontation with Bushmaster when he's like, Harlem is mine. right And so now we have Bushmaster thinking like, well, this is my birthright. Harlem is mine. And this is how I want to run things. Right. And then you have Mariah Dillard or Stokes. Mariah <laughs> Stokes. Stokes. And what does it mean for her to be a king or uh-huh. ruler? And uh-huh. even Shades, yeah. right? Playing the back role, but also still trying to maintain his masculinity which was constantly called out and the first few episodes i was like all right they're doing the most they did but then when Comanche starts calling it out i was like all right i can kind of see what they're doing there speaking of which
0: sorry to interrupt
1: but one of the things i thought was
0: really dope was when they took mariah off the streets Mm -hmm. and it created a power vacuum yeah and i think that that's something that people underestimate about The way things work right you know it's kind of like it's kind of like an ecosystem with with like power it's you know similar to the ecosystem in in you know the wild where it's just like okay while mariah was this terrible you know queen pin figure that did all of this stuff she really did care about harlem Mm -hmm. and certain things Kind of worked in a certain way with the natural order of things because right. she existed, and then when she no longer existed in that world, certain other things transpired as a right. result
1: of her no longer being there.
0: I thought they did an excellent job with
1: that. Yeah, and of course they they dramatized, they over dramatized. Yeah, they're definitely yeah, over traumatized. I'm not sure if it would actually play out like that in real life, but the similar concept, yeah. similar themes are definitely there.
0: It's like the Amsterdam thing in mm-hmm. in in the Wire, right? Yeah. Like it's like when they took away for folks that haven't haven't seen the Wire or oh, don't well, know about Baltimore Spoiler alert! right <laughs> if you don't know about baltimore history basically there's they created a a scenario where the police wanted to reduce violent crime and then the amount of murders because that was how they were being assessed or the metrics that they were being assessed by was the body count so the the sale of drugs was not how the their, their priority as a police right. department so they decided that they were going to leave a certain area of of Baltimore, that between certain hours people could sell drugs freely and the police would not bother them mm. as long as they didn't kill anybody. There were no bodies; they could just do whatever they wanted. Right. And obviously, the whole thing went to hell. But um, it's a good idea, though.
1: It's <laughs> <That's> actually based <laughs> off. Well, I think it was actually based off of a real experiment or something similar. It was based off of a real idea. That's for I sure. I thought Amsterdam was the idea.
0: You know, that happened in real life.
1: Okay, so that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah it was based yeah, off of yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. happened in Baltimore. Okay. Yeah
0: but yeah the, the the power dynamics all the way you know all the way to the end where you know luke becomes the guy who's running the club yeah and i thought it was really shrewd because first of all like you got to kind of give it to mariah's character like yeah. like she like she's really
1: had the wherewithal but shout out she, to Alfrey woodward as Alfre well woodward. yeah who uh she did a very good job because mm. the writing for her character was kind of all over the place yeah, it was. but she made it kind of make sense yeah so i have to give her props for that
0: oh yeah and then at the very end you know she gives the club to luke cage yeah. but in her mind first of all we talk about the power structures again yeah. right because she creates an environment where her daughter starts to feel like that's her birthright. Yeah. now right she deserves the club so then she doesn't get the club so she she creates, you know, almost a villain in her daughter mm-hmm. by, by creating that desire Dr. there. Dr. Nightshade. And then conversely, she gives it to Luke. So Luke can't continue to just be this outside force that's standing on the outside looking yeah. in. He now owns the club and he's involved. So he gets to see what's going on in her mind as she, you know, runs from the center of Harlem, like right. runs the whole city. And then he starts feeling like he's the king of Harlem.
1: Yeah. So, uh Which he would prefer, sheriff. But really, it's 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 a king.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Because thematically, I mean, that's what it's all about. I mean, even the arc that Bushmaster's going through is the same shit. Yeah. So I thought it was very very well done, and it was a really interesting place for them to take that character, Luke Cage. Yeah. Um, because now for season three, I have something to genuinely look forward to. Definitely. So I'm curious what they're going to do. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mm-hmm. They did a great job of
0: giving us that. The show, if you guys haven't seen it, it's just a very black show. Yeah. And I really like that. Like, one of the things I kind of liked about the first season, even though, like you said, the first season was kind of... Uh, was that they like they had like a lot of little injections of Black history mm-hmm. in it, you know, so you can kind of learn some things or refresh your memory there. Um, this series is or this season is also very Black. The music is obviously is great. We get mm-hmm. you know injections of like some late eighties, early nineties hip hop in and out of it. We get some Jamaican culture, even though right. not everybody there is playing Jamaican. Right. I also kind of like how they juxtaposed what. culture of harlem was with what the culture of brooklyn is yeah now for folks that live in brooklyn don't shoot me i do realize that brooklyn is obviously very diverse especially now yes with the the added gentrification but you know they kind of painted brooklyn as like you know they gave us like flatbush they gave Mm -hmm. us like you know the very jamaican run area and i really liked how when they first introduced us to brooklyn We get Luke Cage walking through Brooklyn, and Luke Cage, we see him in Harlem first, and he's a hero, and he's the man. And then he comes to Brooklyn, and he's walking around the street, and people are like, nobody gives a fuck to (laughs) Luke Cage, dog. This is Brooklyn. This ain't Harlem. We don't care. I I liked that. (laughs)
1: A <laughs> few other things that I liked about it in the similar vein, similar, is just the dude who works at the barbershop or whoever who's selling the merchandise. Yeah. I really like the idea that he's like, look, you got knocked down, but yeah. I still got to tell the people I'm out here hustling. Like, right. that's the story that people need to know this. And the idea that he's <laughs> not fully in Luke Cage Corner, but he still, he is, still is Man, at yeah. the same time. Like, I just I thought that was hilarious. It was um, funny. I also like that they called out the black bougie elite and the mm. the whole like family first initiative. But the, the, that crowd kind of catering to potentially a corrupt politician who's in certain right. areas probably shouldn't be. But, you know, that's they still got that cred that they're yeah. kind of catering to that. I thought that was really, really cool. I think that's like really realistic. Like uh-huh. you talk about that, oh, you yeah. know, it's just
0: like. And that was one of the reasons why Mariah mattered, right? Mm -hmm. Because even though she was doing all this bad stuff in the background, she also really did care about Harlem. And she was putting these initiatives forward. And in some ways, you needed the power, influence, and money that she had to create these initiatives to be able to do positive things in the community. So
1: it was was dope how they did that. Okay. So moving on, should we talk about Atlanta? Yeah, let's
0: get it. I think we're going to give this less time than we probably should, but, but let's get it. Well, just first off, what did you think? Did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it. I walked into the series, not a very big Donald Glover fan. Okay, I thought some episodes of this series were
1: actually brilliant. Okay. So which um, did you remember which ones? It's been I a while thought, since I've seen yeah, it. Yeah, it's so. been a while
0: for me as well. So the episode that I liked was the transracial identity uh, episode. Okay, I thought it was kind of masterfully done where they gave you perspective on... You know al says something that is is negatively perceived by the lgbtq community um he's brought on a talk show and then they kind of juxtapose that with this guy who identifies as transracial and so wasn't he's, that in the first season was it i thought that was in the first season i didn't know we were differentiating the two. Anyway. Oh, okay go ahead but yeah um so that episode i thought was brilliant I actually thought that the episode that people kept saying was brilliant was not brilliant. Um, The Teddy Teddy whatever episode.
1: I kind of agree with you. I thought it was over-hyped. Like, for me, I watched it and I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is weird. And I really like Lakeith Stanfield, obviously. And his character is my favorite character on the show. And I think that the idea that that character would find himself in this weird situation Mm -hmm. made absolute sense, right? right? But I've seen a few analysis of it yeah and i don't think i first of all the analysis don't really seem all that profound to me thank you that's what it is for me right and and i'm like (laughs) when i'm watching it When I I watched it first and then I saw the analysis and I was like, well, there's Mm -hmm. nothing really in the analysis that I didn't didn't get from watching it. Right. Like, for example, just real quick, the Blade Runner 2049 movie, right? Mm -hmm. Very, very pretentious, no doubt about that. But I've seen some analysis of that movie that I was like, oh, wow, this is incredibly, incredibly profound. Mm -hmm. Pretentious, maybe not everybody cares and that's fine. But the same type of thing for this episode, I'm like i yeah. guess
0: yeah like uh, but even a lot of the things that you're like you're saying they uh, I was like okay yeah i took that
1: away or yeah.
0: sure but it wasn't like amazing. wow this really it was amazing it strikes I, me
1: and maybe i missed it maybe i just don't get it and that's completely fine yeah that's completely fine i just i wasn't as impressed as everybody else was yeah. um the episode that i did really like mm-hmm. is uh the one the with the, yeah oh, oh that was the best one what's his name um is it bibby I don't know the guy's name. Bibby, I think, is a barber. Yeah. That dude belongs in the Negro Hall of Fame. He's my hero. <laughs> that episode was. yo. Anything, remember
0: yo. when he when they get in the car accident? <laughs> he's like, "I switch, switch me spots." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah.
1: That episode was
0: great. So two things. One, I am in the um the odd camp out that believes that I actually appreciated season one more than I appreciated Oh, I season appreciated
1: two. season one too. Okay. More so um, than this one. Yeah, There's um, a few things about season two that I like, but more yeah. so I definitely appreciated season one. Two, my favorite character is Al. is Paperboy. Okay. Um,
0: and season two really gives us Al. Oh yeah, because um, he's kind of
1: going through some depression. Yeah. yeah. And
0: that episode is like Al, oh, yeah. I mean literally just, you don't even have to watch anything happening around him. Just watch his face. Yeah. Like his <laughs> face, he's just like one of the best facial expression (laughs) actors i've ever seen i'm like just him looking at this dude throughout the episode had me
1: dying Uh, you know and the thing that really encapsulates the entire episode is at the end Mm -hmm. when the next day or when the next week whatever he goes back Mm -hmm. into the barbershop and he goes right past his barber and a guy like holds his chest like oh okay Okay. So then he sits down with the new barber, gives him a dap and all this stuff, and then he gives Bibby a glance, like, uh, Yeah, nigga, like yeah. you know, whatever. Uh. And then the barber <laughs> asks him what kind of cut he wants. He's like, Oh yeah, that's this one, right? And I was like, Fuck. Yeah. That's why I had to go back to Bibby. And then he looks at Bibby, yeah. Bibby's already cut so yeah. I was just like, Oh man That's that's so that real. is so true to that life, is So real. Yeah. <laughs> you 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 can't just
0: walk into a barber shop and just get any barber. Oh, but um but even before that when Bibby finally cuts his hair yeah. and he's like, you ain't going to tip me, nigga. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man. That episode was great. It was. It was. It I, was. There were other things I liked about the season in general. I think mm-hmm. the season one was was better. Mm-hmm. One of the things I liked about season one was that there is a kind of like a general story arc going on, mm-hmm. but really it's kind of episodic. Like you actually don't, you can watch them out of order yeah. and still be okay. With yeah. this one... That general storyline is more coherent, right? It's you know, Mm -hmm. Al's kind of suffering from depression. So is, Earn. Earn. So is Earn, and Earn's not pulling his weight. He's trying to deal with that. He's got real life shit, but he's not really focused. And Al's like, "Look, you're family, right? But I can't carry you. Yeah, you got to step up and do some real shit." And so there's that themes. Those are those are more paramount. And then Lakeith is just like, I love. He's just like the the
0: variable. You know, like he he's instrumental, but he also almost kind of operates outside of that storyline. right? Oh, yeah. Like he's, he's equally, even though he's Al's man, mm-hmm. he's equally invested in making sure that Earn's good and yeah. everybody's good. But then he's kind of has his own like philosophical journey that he's yeah. going through.
1: It's yeah. just interesting. Like his character is so interesting. The other interesting dynamic was what was going on with Van, particularly with Earn. And I thought something was rather telling when she finally says, look, You know, we're just going to be co-parents and that's it. Mm -hmm. All this other wishy-washy shit, I'm done with it. But then the very next episode with her, when they go to Drake's house, that whole concept to me was hilarious. That was hilarious. That concept to me was hilarious. There were some things about it that I didn't like and we we could touch on that. But I enjoyed how she's trying to get over this dude and yet she's sweating his Instagram Mm. and his social media and stuff. And she was like, what is he doing? Oh, I've got to get on the gram with Drake because of right. some dumb reason that doesn't make sense to me. I'm sure it made sense <laughs> to her. But the idea that a bunch of, I guess, fans would right. go to this house expecting to see Drake, and he's not even in the same Yo, country. I'm I am it was hilarious. I'm
0: sorry. I found that brilliant and <laughs> hilarious because <laughs> I feel like that could really happen in oh, real life. Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And um, that in and of itself, I've had friends tell me about, like, you remember when Cassidy was big? Mm-hmm. I've had friends female friends tell me about a similar situation where Cassidy's entourage dudes being like, oh yeah, you know, you could come backstage and blah, 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 and kick it with Cassidy. Mm -hmm. And literally they're just using his name to like hang out with these girls. Right. But these girls are educated women who Mm -hmm. went to the same school we went to. Right. So they're, you know, they're not dumb. They're not, you know, but they're like, we know that this guy's probably full of shit, but we'll go along with it just long enough to see if it actually yields something on the other end. Yeah. And like I feel like that happens more often than not, <laughs> right? And so that's kind of like that's kind of the thing that's floating the whole episode. It's like, like you said, like she wants to get this picture with Drake. She doesn't seem super duper thirsty. Like no. she's and she's not dumb, but at the same time, she's like this would be like a good time that I can show people yeah. on the internet that I'm, I'm fun and I do fun things. Right? right. And she's like, they go along with it all the way to the end only to find out that like Drake's is not even home. Yeah. Not even in the country. And she's like going through rooms of the house, <laughs> like trying to find them. And I mean, uh, and then the, the, the interaction that plays out between her girl and, and the black dude who's dating the white So girl. what did you think about that? Because I I wasn't too keen on that. What did you think? I thought it was funny, like, on some insecure Issa Rae yes, funny shit. Yes, Like, yes, I didn't yes. think... I, like, I think some people expected or felt as though, like, black women ain't all that mad. So the, the, the problem
1: right? that I had with it is because I feel like the language she was using is language that I might hear some of my friends use behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. But actually out in the open in the situation exactly i think that people have more decency Mm -hmm. than doing that and i'm not saying that the opinions that she expressed were wrong but the idea Mm -hmm. that you would actually do that and have that conversation or have that interaction with someone Mm -hmm. there's a difference between thinking it and actually doing it but so the fact that they showed it i was kind of like so
0: my issue with that
1: right just to you know i guess
0: play devil's advocate because i've heard some women also say this and be upset about it but those same women will watch Insecure and love it, right? Like yeah, Insecure well, to th- me is the same thing. It's well, super over-dramatized, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, there's so, a lot of
1: things about Insecure that don't make sense. Or, it's entertaining and it's fun yeah, to talk about. Exactly. But and when so, we actually start taking it as true to life, that's when we go too far? I interpreted the scene
0: the way I interpret Insecure where it's okay, like, you know, right, that's you know, this woman is a caricature of what uh, some other women might be thinking. But or do you think even that's not.
1: responsible though? What do you mean? I mean, look, they picked the dark-skinned woman to be oh, the scorned yeah, woman. That was fun. But, but,
0: you know, and they're probably going to kill me for this. But, Doug, like, Childish Gambino, Donald Glover, yeah. that's his life persona. His yeah. life persona is I date women that are other because black women have XYZ and insecurity yeah. and whatever, whatever. So, I mean... To me, that plays into his perspective on black women. So I I didn't look at it like I wouldn't expect this from Donald Glover. No, but that's not (laughs)
1: what I'm saying. And he's not the only writer on that (laughs) show. I'm just saying, do you think that was responsible for them to do? Uh,
0: I don't find it irresponsible either. The funniest line to me was, I love him too, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that shit was hilarious.
1: Uh, I did. Uh, I did kind of laugh.
0: But uh, but you know, yeah, it was like a. That's so ridiculous that I'm laughing at it. Right, laugh. Right, it wasn't right, a like. Oh yeah, I feel that. I feel that. That women yeah. be doing that all the time. Like I wasn't feeling it. Like I right, thought that right, that's right, what right.
1: Re- real life is. But, um, uh, the last thing i want to mention at least about the show last thing i think we should discuss unless you have anything else to add is mm-hmm. the clark county character
0: yeah i
1: think that's definitely worth discussing i mean the idea that he would invite alan to the studio uh-huh. and not be down to smoke and not be down to drink mm-hmm. but then rap about all this shit, yeah. and then threaten the white boy's life who kept fucking up uh-huh. on some over-the-top Shit, like, he was a hardcore gangster. Like, he was like, you know what? I'm going to step out. And then his man's, his entourage tells Al and Darius, is like, yo, y'all should leave so I can fuck up this white boy. was like, hmm. okay. Uh, is that what we're doing here? But just hmm. his whole character was so absurd. I think he embodies what most artists today are. Sure, sure,
0: sure. And I, and I think not- it's kind of like a... You know, obviously, again, satirical, but just yes, like yes, yes, we're just yes. like, yo, like this is what we what we're dealing with. When
1: today. when I say absurd, I don't mm-hmm. necessarily mean that to say that it's mm-hmm. inaccurate. Yeah, right. It's I do believe that is satirical. Right, but it was just like so. I think that they kind of had to go over the top to really to really nail down the point. Uh-huh. But yeah, his whole character and his dynamic yeah. with Al. And the, the, the jealousy that he kind of um, invokes from Al is just kind of,
0: I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of amusing. Because I recently had a conversation with somebody about the brilliance of the episode where Clark County's manager, was it Clark County's manager? It his, was the radio, is the, 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 the white radio station yes, dude. Yeah. And so Earn's trying to help Al get his music on the radio station. Yes. And the guy has kind of, done this level of like, you know, I guess I'll call it social engineering that everyone does where it's like, He's kind of almost code switching in a way, right? Where mm-hmm. he certain people he feels comfortable speaking in a certain way versus others. Yeah. So he's talking to Earn and he's dropping all these N bombs. He's telling him this story about yeah. So I told the N this and I told him that and he's, you know, and and Ern's just kind of like yeah, okay, okay. So then they get around a bunch of other black people that oh, are yeah, more Oh yeah, this was this was, uh,
1: this was season first one. one. Yeah, yeah. It was first season. Yeah. yeah,
0: no, but I'm I'm just using yeah, it to yeah, talk yeah, about. Yeah, it. yeah. so. Uh, so then like he gets in front of a bunch of other black folks who are more intimidating to him and mm-hmm. earns like yo tell us that story you know that you were telling me that was so funny and it's then like the an, guy an, tries an, to tell navigate, it the way you said it and Say then it the, the guy tries to it. navigate telling the story without using the n-words and then he realizes that the story isn't even funny anymore when right. he removes you know, that additional artistic license is just like, I, I just, I thought that was
1: brilliant. Oh yeah. Like, you sure. know what I
0: mean? And I think like little things like that, like with Clark County's manager and how like Clark County is that dude. Mm-hmm. And so he is like a, you know, just like a walking stereotype almost in many ways. Right. He literally, he says like, they're like, yeah, man, you really doing your thing. You got the this commercial to that endorsement, that whatever. And he's like, yeah, like I just, t- I just give people what they want right and then like you said then we get we get later in the season and like we realize he doesn't drink he doesn't smoke like like the whole persona is just like giving the industry exactly what they want and he's wildly successful as a result of it Mm -hmm. and then you have al who is more of like i just want to keep it real what yeah he's like what we say we want in our artists Mm -hmm. right but then like that's not necessarily
1: working for him yeah
0: I thought that was kind of dope.
1: No, I I agree with you. Actually, I thought that was a very good contrast to play those two characters off of each other. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then it's like Al wants what Clark County has in terms of his level of success. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, he doesn't want to be that person. He's not willing to be that person to attain that level of success. And I think, honestly, I think that's like really what the industry is is now. And you see it at the very end of the season where the whole thing happens with the The gun. gun. And then Clark County gets on the plane and you realize he just threw his mans under the bus and doesn't even say shit about it. Like he's just like, yeah, like, I don't know. They they took him away. Yeah. And then he goes, I put the gun in Clark County's (laughs) bag. That shit was crazy. cuz Clark County's like just like yeah like whatever. Uh-huh. And Al says something that's kind of real like he's like you're a survivor. Yeah. Like that shit was just I thought that 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 yeah, whole I saw what you did. He's like that's what the, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that was like well done too. That whole scene was well done. Cuz I kind of saw it coming. Mhm. When they had the whole gun at the very beginning of the episode. Oh, yeah, I was like, that's he's why gonna, they put it in there. Yeah, he's yeah. gonna fuck like, up. He's gonna fuck up. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, they finally, everything finally seems to be okay. And then they get to the airport and it's like, Joel Santana moment, you know.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> like, let's go. Let's yeah. walk. So I think that should probably wrap it up for Atlanta. Man. Are there any shows that you're looking forward to that are coming out?
0: Hip hop related? I can't
1: think of anything off the can't top think of, of my head. How about yourself? It's not hip hop related. And we already did mention it, but Insecure has always got good music. Yeah, so that's true. Uh, babe. Supposedly that season is going to be about toxic, toxic masculinity, masculinity, which is going to be very interesting to see how they portray that.
0: Let's spend a little bit of time on that. Okay. I actually have had some male friends whose heads have exploded based on on hearing that. Um, the combination of hearing that it's about supposed to be about toxic <laughs> black masculinity and additionally that supposedly Lawrence is being written off the show
1: interesting um, okay and
0: and so you know i've heard dudes be like yeah i'm not watching the show anymore like f it and you know i think it's interesting one that so many men see themselves in lawrence yeah right? and two that a show that seemed to to some degree paint down the middle when right. it comes to you know uh it being a show about the girl cheating in the relationship yeah. and, you know etc how you know without even you know men s- subscribing to a show that to me is not necessarily written from their gaze uh, anyway yeah and then deciding that because it's even more not going to be written from their gaze <laughs> that they no longer want to watch it yeah I-, I find that really interesting man. i find it interesting you want to talk
1: about that at all well i i find it interesting the thing about lawrence is that i try to tell my friends who watch this show all the time that lawrence doesn't actually make sense as a character huh. and the reason why is because first of all there is no software engineer developer <laughs> i know that will ever go five years without a job it just doesn't happen <laughs> right and so the justification is oh is well, that he wants to well, start his he own started team. he wanted to start his own company and then he suffered depression it's like Okay, that's fine. But when he finally does get back to work, he has to work at Best Buy first. Yo, the market out there for software engineers is very, very good for us. You think it too hard. The reason why this matters, though, is because the person that we see Lawrence become at the end of season one is a very open, charismatic, personable guy. Mm -hmm. That dude... Is not a software engineer who suffers depression for five years. Like that just and lives doesn't, on and
0: lives on his girlfriend's couch. Yeah, that just right.
1: doesn't they don't really make sense. That's fair. But it made sense it felt so right to so many women I know and I'm like, yeah. okay, find me that guy in real life. Yeah. Find him. Maybe he exists and I don't know about it Like if you want to say that there are people There's men out here who are not on the grind They're not driven, fine But like that's not really this character This character is written in a way To justify Issa's actions And I'm not condemning Mm -hmm. her one way or the other But that's what it is, right? The person that he is at the start of season one Is not the same person who he is At the end of season one They're just Mm -hmm. two completely different people that's
0: kind of my issue though with the entire writing of the show right, right? like i think i think it's written in, in kind of a very like shallow way like it's like, yeah i think i don't think that there's great character development i think a lot of the characters are caricatures of, of uh of yeah things. no shit i'm not here to, to tear the whole thing down i just think that it's interesting that you know we talk a lot about or i talk a lot about how music is not as a lot less of a commodity and now we buy images mm-hmm. and a lot of it is people Painting themselves into the people that they want to consume, right? So, yeah. like, like, so women like Beyonce, Beyonce and Jay Z's
1: relationship is somehow right. affects all of us, even though it affects none of us, right? And so none it gets to us. a point
0: where you can't you can't make negative critiques about these people right. because we've attached so much of ourselves to them that we get defensive when people say negative things Mm -hmm. about them. I think we do that with all of our entertainment. And so like with Insecure, somehow women have painted themselves into Issa and men have painted themselves into Lawrence. And like, so, you know, men are like, how dare you write Lawrence off the show?
1: Or Uh, men or
0: women are like, you know, how dare you say, like, if I say negative things about the show, people get upset with me, right? Like-
1: Let's look at it from a number of different perspectives, right? First of all, that uh character, I think his name is like Jay Ellis or yeah, something. Yeah. J. Ellis. He's getting more roles. Mm-hmm. So he may not be able to do insecure anymore. Mm. Let's just put that out there. Right. Uh, from what I understand, I think he's getting more roles. Mm-hmm. What I will say though about men attaching themselves to Lawrence, I mean, look, like he's he's a character, right? Like, and there's certain things that don't make sense. And once I actually saw like just the trajectory of that character i was like oh yeah like this i he's don't he's supposed to with be like wrong. a
0: tragic hero right like, I, I guess like so. I don't... he's like you know i think the whole best buy shirt thing at the end of the season <laughs> 1 was like something that men really felt like they like yeah you know he was vindicated
1: maybe maybe um, what what i will say about men's heads exploding at the sound or at the you know notion that the show is going to be about toxic masculinity what i will say is this If you are a man out there, I completely understand the sentiment that you feel that masculinity is under attack. I get it, right? But that said, there's a difference between something being under attack and being under threat. And Hmm. if you hear something like that and you feel yourself insecure about it or you feel that you're being attacked or if you are being attacked, you can't just sit there and take it. Did like it, those things shouldn't affect you. Exactly. Like, so fine. I feel like if you feel sensitive about it, that tells me something about you. Like, so when I hear these things, I'm like, my ears perk up because my interest is peaked and I want to see how, (laughs) what they're going to write. But do I actually feel like, is this anything for me to feel insecure about? No. Insecure. No, the one thing I will, well, the one thing I will say that's really ironic about the show is that Mm -hmm. the only character who actually is insecure is uh, Lawrence you know like his
0: you don't think isa's insecure
1: not or in he's
0: insecure or not
1: nice. not in the same way that okay well maybe it's a different type of security that we're talking about so okay. maybe what insecure means to a feminine person is different than what being insecure means to a masculine individual but for me when lawrence is having that conversation with um i forget her name arpna or his oh, coworker, yeah, yeah yeah and she's texting some other dude and he's acting jealous like that to me is like flagrant insecurity, right? Okay. And that was the only real example I've actually seen of the type of insecurity that I recognize. So if we're talking about insecurity from a different perspective, then maybe the other characters are as well. But that's yeah. the only type of insecurity that, that I really kind of recognize.
0: I feel like they give us insecurity in each in each character. I maybe. think I think yeah. Molly Molly gives us like like some of the most blatant insecurity. Um yeah I know. But, yeah. But, yeah, I guess I could see that. Yeah, maybe yeah. yeah. Okay. Again, right? Like like you said, it's like if you think the song's about you then it is. Yeah. Like you know what I, I I think honestly I'll even go a step further and everybody's just says, will say that I'm just a conspiracy theorist, but I, I almost feel like they just floated that shit out there just to get attention. Cause like you said, probably. right? Your ears perked up when you heard it. Um, of course. Other people Ooh, yeah, were mad. Cause I'm right? like,
1: oh, this, this ought to be fun. Right.
0: Other people were <laughs> mad. Like those people that were mad, they're probably going to watch it just cause they're mad. Right. Just nah, to, just look, to hate watch it. Right?
1: So one thing um, I will say is that I don't always agree with some of the content that's coming out. Uh, even some of the content that we discussed, right. I don't always agree with some of the messaging in it, but that that being said you know if you don't like insecure there are plenty of other shows out there right. for you to watch yeah. so who the fuck cares like it's not a big deal
0: yeah i don't know i think we're at a we're at a point though where everybody has an opinion about everything and it's 24 hours and seven days a week and we've gotten to a point where i think people think they're a lot more interesting than they really are <laughs> and yeah. people think that people are more <laughs> interested in them than they really are and so you know you're gonna hear everybody's opinion Mm -hmm. on everything all the time so
1: you know yeah that's just where we're at with it all right so i think that should do it for us peace peace